Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. First on the line, we have the Honorable Carl Rove. He was a Republican. He is a Republican policy advisor. He was a senior advisor and deputy chief of staff during the George W. Bush administration. Welcome back to Cats at Night. So we, we figured out, Carl, Carl, we figured out there's nobody knows what's going on other than you. Tell us what's going what's going on with the GOP. Are we still looking for that red wave? Uh, you, you tell us. Well, as you may remember, when we talked about this earlier, my view was that we were going to be lucky to get between 20 and 25 seats in the House, and it looks like we're not going to get even that. Uh, But, uh, you know, we... we And and five or six of them are coming from New York State. How is that possible? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you how that's possible. Lee Zeldin ran a hell of a race, mobilized uh, Long Island and mobilized upstate over the issue of crime. And he was assisted in this. I don't know exactly how he arranged this, but he was assisted in this by the tone deaf response of your sitting governor. And, uh, you know, I, I actually I know Mike Lawler. We're, we're friends. I did a fundraiser for him and actually contributed to his campaign. So um, and full disclosure. But, I mean, you had some able candidates, particularly out on the island in the, in the Hudson River Valley. And uh, they took advantage of, of what Zeldin did to turn the. Turn this into a, turn the governor's race into a, a, a horse race. Oh, Who Carl, Nassau five, County five and ago, then, Nassau five, County and Suffolk County are are law abiding counties. They care yep. about the law, and a lot of uh, New York City uh, people that that care about the law they have escaped and went to Nassau County and Suffolk County. <laughs> yeah, and it uh, it showed so. Uh, who would have thought that Florida would would add four seats to the Congress to the Republican ranks, and New York would add five and maybe six? Had a lot to do with the redistricting call. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because and, the Democrats uh, try to take advantage of the districting process, they acted on unlawfully in violation of the state constitutional amendments and they got taken to the cleaners by good uh, by good litigators and by smart people who realized there was a, a flaw in the process. How about some may- maybe some honest judges once in a while? Yeah, cost her her chief exactly. judge spot. But the yes. chief judge, it cost her her job. They pushed her out after the uh, redistrict. Wow. Mm. And uh, once again, we see the handy, handiwork of uh, Ed Cox and, and John Faso in that. They played a key role in uh, energizing and raising the money and making sure that the right lawyers were in place for that. But uh, And the people of New York who voted for a constitutional amendment that the uh, that the governor and, the, and her hench people in the legislature said, we don't care what the people said in a constitutional referendum. We're going to just do it our way. What's going on in the rest of it? We talked about Florida, big red wave in Florida. Last time, DeSantis won uh, by a quarter of a point or a half a point. And this time he won by almost 19 points against a, a name recognizable. Charlie Crisp was former governor, and he, he had good name recognition. I mean, it looks like they create, we've created a fort. A red fort in in Florida and in Texas. What's going on in the rest of the country? I mean, I can't believe uh, some of those numbers. Well, uh, incidentally, the rest of the Florida story is they 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 took over the last office statewide office held by Democrats, and they have super majorities in the uh, Florida House and the Florida Senate. You're right. In Texas, our our governor got reelected to entire Republican slate. 
Uh, we added to our numbers in the state legislature. We, uh, we added to uh, our, our number of uh, appellate judges reelected to the Supreme Court. The, another great place was the uh, state of uh, Georgia, where uh, Stacey Abrams was defeated by Brian Kemp and the entire Republican ticket swept in by a healthy margin uh, led by Brian Kemp. Uh, and then the other news of the night is the other quintessential swing state, Ohio. Mike DeWine gets reelected by the governor of the state of Ohio, beating a popular mayor, the, uh, the mayor of Dayton, a major city in the state, by 26 points and carried the entire Republican ticket in, including Supreme Court justices, which is important because uh, for weird reasons, next year the Supreme Court is going to uh, redraw the lines for Congress. They, they allowed they allowed them to run this year under a set of lines, but but are going to redraw them next year. And they have a supermajority in the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. And nobody can remember when that last happened uh, in Ohio. So we had four governors that that uh, ran very strong races and uh, helped grow their parties immensely. What do you think is going to happen in the battle for the control of the Senate call? Well, I'm, I've just arrived in Arizona, so I, I'm not yet on top of Arizona, but I spent this morning talking to Adam Laxalt, uh, who, who's up by about 15,000 votes. Now, that's he, in Nevada. He's pretty, yeah, in Nevada. Yeah, he's pretty bullish about it because this is, gets sort of semi complicated. There are three, you know, there are people who send in their mail in, who return their mail in ballot before Election Day. There are people who then drop off their ballot at their polling place on Election Day. There are people who vote on Election Day, and then there are people who mail in their ballot uh, either like Saturday before the election or Monday or Tuesday. You can mail it in as long as it's postmarked by 5 o'clock on, on Tuesday, and those can be received up until Friday. So, you know, they've, they've counted a lot of ballots. Uh, the Laxalt campaign believes there are about 110,000 ballots out uh, as of Yesterday, they believe now they just uh, Adam just put out a statement that the Clark County clerk just reported that there are 50,000 ballots left. That includes the Election Day drop off ballots, which he thinks a considerable number of those 50,000. And those tend to be good for Republicans. Republicans don't trust the mail and don't trust uh, the machine. So they want to drop off the ballot themselves. And then uh, there are some uh, in there are 17 counties in the state, Washoe County, which is Reno, Clark County, which is Las Vegas, and then what are called the rurals. The rurals are going for Adam Laxalt by by depending on the county, 75, 25, 80, 20. And there are another couple of thousand votes to come out of those counties. So he he thinks that um, there are only about 40,000 uh, ballots to be counted in um uh, in in uh, Washoe County, where he did all right. But the bottom line is he thinks that she that Cortez Master would have to take an extraordinary percentage of the of the outstanding ballots uh, by a margin that she's not receiving today uh, and that he'll hang on uh, to, to win. Now, we'll see here as it all plays out. But. He's sort of bullish on it. Again, we are speaking to the Honorable Carl Rove. Uh, Honorable Rove, so why we're, we're seeing it throughout all the papers, the New York Post, even the Daily News. Everybody seems to be piling on Trump. They're blaming him for this red wave that never came. It turns into a, a ripple, if, if anything. What, what What's your take on it? Well, look, this was supposed to be a referenda on the performance of the Biden administration. But looking at the exit polls, 
or the the election analysis, as they're called at Fox, which involves tens of thousands of interviews. It's it's apparent that in significant parts of the country, this turned into a choice between who who do you want as the leader for the country, Joe Biden or Donald Trump? And we did not fare as well as we did when we kept the the, the uh, focus entirely on Joe Biden. And then we were saddled by candidates who the former president endorsed and uh, and and. Uh, some of them were good, but a lot of them were bad. And some of them, even the good ones, uh, didn't have financial resources. J.D. Vance won in Ohio. Uh, he won by about nine points, I think it was, while uh, DeWine on the ballot above him is winning by 26. But uh, a group that I was associated with, Senate Leadership Fund, had to spend $35 million in order to help him get, it, get, get, get past his Democrat opponent. And um, President Trump is sitting on $100 million and has put, it looks like, somewhere less than $10 million into the campaign. So if you're going to nominate these people, in essence, by endorsing them and giving them your blessing, which a lot of Republicans said, if the, if the former president is for him, I'm for him, too. If you're going to do that, then you need to be helping him in the general election. And he had some bad choices. And in uh, some of these people that he ba- backed because he didn't do the homework necessary to vet them. And then when they got in, then, then when people got into the general election, uh, others had to ride to their rescue, not the former president. Do you think Trump so, should delay? So you're, you're really upset about that, too. Yeah, I, I am. Because, look, we had we, the Ohio 11, just one example, Ohio 11. We had a great possibility to flip a previously Democrat district, Margie Kaptur, who's Marcy Kaptur, has been in there. She's, I think, the longest serving Democratic woman in the Congress today. And uh, we had a good chance to flip the district. And Trump endorsed a guy named Majewski. And he did so for one weird reason. This guy had a big lawn in a sort of semi-rural part of the district. And in 2000, he turned his lawn into a giant Trump display, pro-Trump display. So he decides to run for Congress. We have some local elected officials and legislators who want to run. But but Trump says, I like the guy put up the big display. And the guy said, well, I'm a combat veteran and I'm a I'm America first Trumper. Well, it turned out he was not a combat veteran. He was in the Air Force, but he was a loader on the flight line and cutter for about three or four months. Did not serve in Iraq or Afghanistan. And he claimed he admitted that he'd been reduced in rank, but claimed it was he got in a fight in a bar. Or the next story was that he'd gotten in a fight in the in the base dormitory. Well, it turned out after 9-11, he's driving a gigantic truck on the on the on the base is found to be drunk and disorderly and then MPs have to arrest him and he gets reduced in rank. Well, that was our candidate. And he and, and, and the former president just liked him because he'd done the display. It didn't have anybody close to him who's doing the kind of vetting to find out, is this going to blow up in our face? And I wish it was the only one. We had a number of them like that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he gave out these endorsements and without much attention to, to figuring out, was that the right person to run? What was the scoreboard, uh, Carl? Well, he's, he endorsed a large number of people, most of whom were Republican incumbents who didn't seek his endorsement or need his endorsement because they were in safe districts. A lot of, you know, Ronnie Jackson in Congressional District 13, Ronnie had a really tight race. He only got, I think, 77 percent of the vote, <laughs> uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, he, but if you look at the high profile ones, like in the Senate, Blake Masters, Adam Laxalt, Mehmet Oz, J.D. Vance, Ted Budd, though they were, you know, he, he won three out of five. You look at these House races and, and, and you take the, the safe incumbents and put them aside. 
and it gets to be not a very pretty sight. Endorses a guy named Bo Hines, young kid, college football player, bright young guy, but no background in public policy, no background in public service, friend of a friend, and he's running in an open seat that should be Republican against a very accomplished young Democratic state legislator, legislator and gets his clock cleaned. And, 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 and you know, why was t- we had state representatives, state senators who wanted to run in that district, and Trump sort of said, no, I'm picking the guy who has no background or ability to mount a serious campaign. So somewhere That's down the line, you, there's going to be a fight for the leadership of the Republican Party. Is that correct? Well, there's going to be a there's going to be a fight to be the nominee of the party in 2024. Understood. We, 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 you know, well, that's the, the the nominal leader of our party is is either the sitting president or the former president or the nominee of our party when we get into a presidential election. Sounds good, uh, Carl Rove. Thank you so much for bringing all our listeners up to date, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Great, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.